Welcome to the Only Football Fans podcast. Basically, we're a group of 10 mates frustrated that we can't meet up in the pub every week to chat about the footy. So, we've decided to do a podcast instead. Here we go, we're back again, guys. And tonight we've got a special guest. We've got Notts County defender Ben Turner joining us. Um, thanks for coming on tonight, Ben. Really appreciate it, mate. No problem. Um, joined as well by the usual suspects. We've got Kyle Boyle and Greg with us tonight. Um, so yeah, we're going to run through Ben's career and over to what he's uh, our things are going as well at the moment at Notts County. So um, yeah, we'll just start off Ben with a few run of the mill questions to sort of get to know you better. So first ones first is who was your childhood hero? Um. As a player, he was uh, it's probably Roy Keane when I was growing up. I don't I don't really know why or how that happened because I wasn't you know watching him week in week out or anything. But I just I don't know just the way he sort of like was always at it and always seemed to try and be getting the best out of himself and everyone else around him. Which just like I don't know. Just as a kid, impressionable kid, I just thought I'll have a bit of that. I like I like that, and that I just he was the player that I probably followed the most really fair play it's a, it's a good one to follow mate he's some player um, oh yeah yeah what's your worst habit worst habit my missus would have a few mate to be honest <laughs> get her on quickly come on <laughs> no, um, I don't know really Flawless, look. No, it's just little things in it. Like, don't. Uh, uh, only a woman knows. <laughs> yeah, not the not the tidiest. Uh, and if I think something's going to happen and it don't happen the way I think it's going to happen, I do lose my head quite quickly. But um, yeah, that's it really. I don't do anything outrageous. I don't think. Fair play. We'll have to. Uh, yeah, we'll have to get the misses on, mate, to get a proper answer then. <laughs> um, what's your biggest fear biggest fear uh, letting my family down really letting my kids and my missus down basically yeah that's quality I like that it's mad actually most, most sort of most of the pros we've spoke to biggest fear is always either to do with sort of not achieving or failing or letting someone down so it's all sort of it seems to be a sort of common theme there as well, which is quite it's probably why you lot have succeeded in, in your field, really. I think um, so, yeah. Yeah. There's that in football. I, I remember like try, when I was trying to make it, it was like I didn't, it was massive to me that I didn't want people to think that I got so far and then didn't make it. I suppose that's like being driven by the fear of not making it, which is the fear of failure, isn't it? And yeah. I reckon like, there's a lot of lads in football, the ones who actually do make it, who are driven by that a lot. I do think yeah, that's no, like a thing in the game. No doubt. Um, which team do you support or which team did you support growing up? Uh, Birmingham. I had a season ticket at Birmingham until I signed my um, scholarship at Coventry. So, yeah, that was that was quite, it was quite good. It was quite a good little era because we got... I, was in, I had a season to get the first season they got promoted to the Premier League and then in the Premier League I had a few good players like Christoph Dugri signed oh. 
and he was unbelievable. Like the fact the fans couldn't really believe we'd signed the like a world World Cup winner, and he actually was. He played like a World Cup winner. It was that was it was quite it was quite a good time to be a, a Birmingham fan. And then I was there for the cup final when we beat Arsenal as well. Um, went down there with my family that day. That was a good day as well. Oh, oh. was that <laughs> Oberfemi Martins? Was yeah, it? yeah, yeah, Martins, yeah. good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we won't talk about You're that. You're happy with that one, boy, aren't you? Flip. Yeah, over the moon. Flip, flip. Physically sickening. And but fair play, fair play. Yeah, no, some win. Um, and the last question, just before we get bang into your career, is the main one, Marmite. Love it or hate it? I love it, you know, but it's got, it, it has to be with quite a lot of butter as well to give it like a good ratio. A hundred percent. I couldn't just... Great answer. Totally agree. Totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) Greg's a hater, mate. And every single pro we're having on is a a Marmite lover. And he's just... (laughs) Getting battered. Yeah, fuming. (laughs) Um, Right. Well, yeah. Let's sort of um, get into everything then, uh, Ben. So you started at Coventry, um, 11 years old, when you joined the academy there. How did yeah. uh, how did it all sort of come about, and what was it like going through sort of the academy system? So basically, I'd, I'd been on trial at um, Villa twice. Went once when I was eight, and once when I was nine, ten, and they took someone else, um, a similar player to me, but someone obviously they thought had more potential both times, and then. Uh, I got asked to go back to trial for Villa again, which was weird, like three times in three years. So you'd think they'd have saw enough at that point. Um, and right when Villa asked me to go and train again, um, I was spotted by a scout, a Coventry scout, and Coventry offered me like um, a two-year youth development thing without a trial. Um, and to be honest, like at the, at the time, it was like both times when you get sat down in a room after a six-week trial and get told you're not going to get taken off, at Villa, it's quite upsetting as a kid at that age. So I, I, I didn't really want to go back there, regardless, because it was like kind of like it just becomes somewhere where it ended up not going the way I wanted it at the end. So I signed for Coventry, um, and I had a one of my best friends at, at school um, was already there in the academy. So um, yeah, it just went from there, and then stayed with them all the way through. Then yeah, oh brilliant. Who, who is it like during the whole YTS? thing who who was your uh, boots was you cleaning and what was the tip saying so I cleaned uh, Richard Shaw's boots um, he was one of like, the, the senior pros um, great guy to be honest yeah. um, really liked him uh, he tipped at Christmas but not only that he was like he played my position and he was just a good just a good guy um, but it's mad because like it's gone all the way full circle now where the kids can't clean boots so like when I was a kid I was cleaning boots and now I'm one of the senior boys, now I'm cleaning my own boots. So it's like... <laughs> not fair, is it? Not really fair, no. I've just been cleaning boots the whole way through, really. Yeah, your, your era had the worst of it. It's not even like, oh, once we're the seniors, we can get the, the young'uns doing ours. You, you missed that boat. Yeah, exactly. Just missed, like, just just right on the right on the wrong push. Because we, we got the back end of, like, uh, still having, like, jobs and that. Do you know what I mean? It's between 16 and 18 before you were, like, a pro. So still had some, like, pretty... Horrible jobs, um, and as I say, then the boot thing didn't really, didn't really pan out. Like I remember, I was, I was on equipment at Coventry, so like I had to go up, to knock the manager's door as a sixteen-year-old, 
um, and ask him how he wanted the equipment set up for the day's training session. And like, obviously it was daunting because you, you put it out wrong and then he walks out and he can't start his training session. He wanted to try and make sure all the poles were in the, in the right place and all that. And it was like, you just go from like leaving school and then next minute you're like knocking Peter Reed's door, asking him how he wants his training session planned out. And he's quite like a, quite a dry guy. So it's kind of like, but you know, like, he kind of like, manned you up quite quickly to a bit of responsibility and a bit of like, uh, don't mess up after you look bad on you. Whereas it's quite, they don't have to do any of that anymore. So it's just, you know, turn up, play football nowadays. Yeah, so, so they've got it good now, haven't they? <laughs> I'd do it. I'd, I'd, I'd clean, uh, you know, pros boots now at 33 years old or whatever. I don't give a fuck. I'd love it. <laughs> You'd wash them in the showers and all sorts, you. Yeah, I'd, I'd do all boots. All, yeah, everything. i wash their shins and everything. I don't give a fuck. Get yourself up to Nottingham, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll get a text tomorrow from Ben. <laughs> I need my back washing Saturday. Yeah, I'd love it. I, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> oh God! Um, and then, obviously, turning pro. What What was that sort of moment like, and how was the news broke to you? Terrifying, to be honest, because um, so basically, we were all eighteen. Me and it was eight lads who got took on at my age group to to uh, as uh, apprentices. So they got two year uh, to prove yourself between the age of sixteen and eighteen. Um, I got I got taken on a year early. So when I was 15, everything was going really well. Um, I got selected to play for like the England under 16s with one of the other lads at Coventry because we had quite a strong academy team. Um, and then I got, um, before, I, before I could go to that England call-up, I got um, a stress fracture in my back. Um, so I got, I couldn't play for like two, three months because my back was hurting and they thought, you know, like you get things like golds, growing pains and this kind of stuff thrown at you. Um, and eventually we got like a, a scan to, to, to diagnose what was going on and I had a stress fracture so by the time we got diagnosed I was about to start my um, scholarship at 16 so I'd just done like, my GCSEs and left school and everything um, and uh, I went there full time and as I started full time I was injured um, and I was injured it took me over a year to, to be able to play again after my stress fracture in my back it was, it was quite a bad time really. yeah. so I missed my first year scholarship started again uh, second year um, so essentially I had like one one season so it's obviously less than 12 months to actually prove that I was worth taking on a pro contract and I remember I started catching up fast enough when my back was okay but um, I'd actually the lad who was playing my position my age group Ricky Baines he'd actually um, started playing for the reserves and doing quite well and stuff like that and I was playing catch up on him basically and then we were all at Coventry like this, all, all the manager's room was upstairs and the changing room for the players and everything was downstairs. And I remember we were all going up on that day, like one after the other up the stairs to find out um, if we were being kept or not. Um, and like obviously there's lads coming down really disappointed. I was somewhere in the middle of the queue, maybe six or something. And I was going up there and I, I really did think it was like a toss of a coin because I'd missed so much. The other lads, Ricky Baines, had done really, really well. And kind of established himself in the in the uh, reserves. So when I went up there, I wasn't. I think you know, like some sometimes, I suppose, like if you've got that much talent or things have gone that that well, you'll know you you're not getting let go, won't you? But I really didn't really know. But when I found out I was getting kept on for two years as a pro, it was just obviously brilliant because I knew then 
look, what I'd done in one year, I now had another two years to sort of do the next part. So I had an extra year to do the next part that I needed to do. So it was just a massive relief, but obviously just the start of, just the start really of trying to establish myself as a pro. Just because you get took on as a pro, you're not really, a, you are a pro in your job title, but you're not, it doesn't mean you're ready to play first team games that day. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Yeah, still a lot of work to do, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and then obviously from turning pro, I, I know you, like, you went out on loan quite early on, on to Peterborough. Had you played any games for, for Cov before then? or? Uh, so basically... I got I got put on up front against Stoke the last game of the season when I was 18. Um, Mickey Adams just took me in the squad kind of out of nowhere. And I remember thinking, oh, great. Get an experience of travelling with them. And we were defending a lead and he's put me on up front and just told me to run around like do whatever I can to sort of unsettle their defender. So I remember doing... I remember that. I remember that so well. I had the driest mouth ever from the nerves, and that's like, <laughs> well, and it's, it's a bizarre feeling the first time you ever go on a proper proper game, proper stadium. And then basically from from playing in the reserve games, I'd like it was always like quite a big lad, so like I could always compete. Um, and uh, I got asked to go on loan by Peterborough to uh, which was League Two at the time. I just remember the assistant manager, Alan Cork, who looked after me really from that transition from youth team into, into like reserves and training with the first team. And he he basically asked me if I wanted to go, but well, he didn't really, he just told me I was going really. He just said like, I remember he said, uh, you're going to be a big boy, Ben, and you're going to go to Peterborough and get some first team games. <laughs> like, and he's like, is that all right? Like, but he don't, like, I knew he'd already said, look, he'll come, like, he's, he's going for it. <laughs> so yeah and he's just, he just said look you, you, the manager here likes you you go and do that loan and show him you can play consistently men's football although it's lead to the, you know it's kind of how the system works it'll do the world a good and like like I look back now and like at, at that age I was just whatever it took you know what I mean whatever it took to, to show I was ready and uh, obviously every step when you're that age people don't really realise it in football but it's so nerve wracking because to another new dressing room. I was 18, another new dressing room full of experienced players who, like, you know, like, you know, like, old, old school pros from League Two that were like, like tough old fellas and whatever. And was Guy Branston there, wasn't he? Guy Branston was there. That's who I was playing with. Guy Branston, Mark Arbor, a few, few of these old boys like that. And like, it was great. But at the time when you first walk in, you, you're still just a nervous kid and it's another new group to sort of, you just feel like you, every time you settle in at the level you were at, like when a ball you get going as in the academy uh, under 18 team, you settle into that. Then you got to like get used to the reserve team and win everyone's respecting that. Then you make your day for the first team. You got to try and get the respect of the first team at Coventry. And then you're walking through Peterborough. It's another. It's just everything just moves so quick, and there's always someone new to prove what you're about. But um, like I say, I was just, I ran for a brick wall. I was just really hungry for it. I remember, I remember, I'm just, I remember just thinking like, again, didn't want to fail. That's it, yeah. Because um, you, you initially went on, on a one-month loan and you obviously impressed them because they extended it as well, didn't they? They extended it for an extra month to get me yeah, hang yeah. out of here. Well. Yeah, I've got, I've, got over, I've got over 10 games, I think, in that, in that little period. And obviously, started great. Got around the match in the first game and then... Um, Away at Swindon, Swindon were top, I think. Cut my head, tight bandage around my head, and all that. Like, and remember finishing the game. Uh, you know, it couldn't have gone any better. You know what it's like as a centre half. That was kind of like 
how upset or you anything. It was like weird. But then, obviously, there was games where a few games where a few things went not quite so well, and you and you kind of live and learn at that age. But um, that was brilliant. It was good. It was it was what I needed. And like Alan Cork, the guy was looking after me, the manager. He knew it was what I needed, and Coventry, the rest of the staff there knew it was what what I needed, and uh, just it worked. It worked out well in the end, yeah. That's quality. He's, he's Jack Cork's old man, isn't he, Alan? Yeah, old man, yeah. And, yeah. And I played with Corky because Corky came to Coventry. He's, they're they're a nice family, like Cork. Both both of them, like Alan, was great for me coming through, and then Jack as a teammate, he's a great guy, yeah, really good guy. Was he only a young lad then, wasn't he, at Cov? Yeah. So he, he came alone from he was he was still on the Chelsea books at the time, so he came and loaned to us there. Um but now he's a he's a he's a good lad. I can't imagine um he'd fit he'd fit in at any club in terms of like everything you wanted really, like a worker, nice guy. You know what I mean? Like knew knew, knew the game through his dad. Yeah. Um and all the rest of it, yeah. Really liked him, good guy. Yeah, he's a good player as well. Yeah, he's had a great career, he's done really well. Mm. And then, obviously, when you went back to, to Cov, I see that your third game in, following season, you got a red card against the Baggies. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was, again, like you live and learn, don't you, that one? I remember that game, we were playing, um, it, was the, it was the West Brom team, if you remember, the, um, the team that got promoted from the Championship, and they were, they were really, really strong for the Championship. It was like Kev Phillips, Jonathan Greeny. Um, yeah. Uh, the 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 rock off, uh, rock, uh the fullback Neil Clement was it Paul Robinson no, oh Paul Robinson, Robinson. Yeah. sorry mine went blank there that squad really strong squad and uh Kev Phillips was like pulling off the centre halves in between the centre halves and the midfielders getting on the ball really they were just passing the ball great and I remember I was playing with Robert Page a few Page and a few of the old lads was like Someone needs to like let him know because he keeps going in there. He's having like a bit of a, he's running a show, dropping all there. And again, I was just, just probably like inexperienced and just too much enthusiasm, whatever. He went in there to get the ball and I went in and kind of emptied him out and just got a straight red. Um, <laughs> I remember it was, because, and to be fair to Kev Phillips, he tried to get the rest to keep me on, um, which I thought like kind of a classy thing to do, really. Knowing that, like, that probably they were going to beat us anyway that day. They were, they, you know, they were like probably the best team we've played in the champ, or at least one of the best. But now, <clears throat> straight red, so that didn't help me. And then, uh, when that banner finished, um, um, someone else took my place in the Coventry team, sort of thing. So there was a chance to go on loan then to Oldham, um, which was League One. So basically, I'd done what I'd like. Showed up and do a bit in League Two. Gone back to Coventry, got a few games, and then Oldham wanted me to go on loan for an emergency one-month loan in uh, League One because I think it was Will Haney was their captain. He couldn't play, and he was injured or suspended. So I went there and got sent off there on my debut as well. So I got sent off like back-to-back -back games. I got sent off straight reds. Oh, dirty, God. dirty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mad. It's mad how it works. Cause... So that was me there at like. 19, I think, 18, 19, I probably just turned 19. And then I didn't get sent off again till I was 30, just about to turn 33 this season. No way. Got sent off two games running at 19 and net played centre half for, played centre half for 12 years without getting sent off in between them two. 
Well, it's a learning curve, isn't it? You've done well. Well, yeah. And I met, do you know what? I remember thinking before I got sent off this season, just sat there thinking to myself, thinking, it's not bad, that is it, really, when you think about it. Like, I bet you'd come close, though. Going from like 19. Do you know what? Like, I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know how because, like, I, like not, not I should have, as in, like, I got away with loads of stuff, but like, not the fastest man in the world by a long stretch, playing the last line of defence and whatever. And I actually remember thinking this season that you've done right there, not getting sent off since you were 19. And then within a few weeks, got sent off straight red. <laughs> out of sight, out Stop of Stop thinking mind. about it. That's it, yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. You, you got in your own head there, haven't you? I must have. Yeah, I must have. Yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, the, the following season, mate, when we had when we had Jay Tab on a few well about a month ago, um, you had that massive moment away at Old Trafford in the in the League Cup. Yeah, that was a mad one as well because um, for that season again, I was trying to like get more games again. I played dribs and drabs of games for Cobb, but never played like consistently because obviously there was always like older pros and the captain was sent off and all the rest of it. You have to wait your turn, don't you? And this is the, like it's the Championship, so it's a tough gig to just come in and just play relentlessly but anyway so we drew Man U in the cup and um, some, some for whatever reason I don't I never really remember why my name wasn't on the my name wasn't on the squad list that went up on the pegboard in the uh, corridor where, where the squad used to go up at Cough but my name wasn't on there and then the next morning I remember Michael Doyle who I'm with now at Notts County ringing me saying we're about to train turns where are you where are you? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, we're about to train. You're in the squad for Man U. Like, and I was like, I'm not. I wasn't on the book. He was like, you're in the squad, or you? So I'm like, I remember just nailing it from Birmingham to Coventry as fast as I could in my little Peugeot 106. <laughs> <laughs> to get there, thinking like, thinking I was going to get in trouble, thinking what, have I missed it or whatever. But I actually, I wasn't on the list, so I didn't get in trouble or anything. So like, I've, I've got there all thinking, oh God, what's everyone going to think like? I'm supposed to be travelling with the first team and I'm not, I didn't even know. And then as it turns out, I was actually playing. And uh, yeah, I went from like sat in my house thinking I was trying like the bomb squad or whatever to like going to Old Trafford, playing and winning. It was flipping wow. mad really, yeah. Who was you sort of marking that, that day? Dong Fan Zoo, wasn't it? Dong Fan Zoo. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Chris Eagles was off him. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was he was decent actually. Dong Fang Zhu was awful. I wish we had Michael Misford that day, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> he bagged two, didn't he? Yeah, he got both. Yeah. It was weird, it was a mixed bag for Manu. It was like they had like I think O'Shea was playing and uh they had uh, uh, a. I've got a list. I've got a list. You had Nani, O'Shea, Anderson, um, Lee Martin, Michael Carrick, PK, Evans. Yeah, PK and Evans played. They both ended up winning the Champions League, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Bardsley, Wes Brown. Bardsley, Brown, yeah, yeah. But now that. You had some players. Was, that... Yeah, it was on. It was on. Um, Again, Doyle texted me and said they were putting it on the uh, commentaries 
YouTube channel during the last lockdown. And uh, he was like, get it on, mate. Have a, have a look at us in this game. He said, look how hard we're working. I put it on. It was like, we were, we were so up for it. We were just like running around like lunatics on, on, on watching it back. But now it was, uh, it was, it was obviously brilliant. And we did, like, when you watch it back, we did, we did deserve it. And uh, it was an amazing experience. Like, one result of that. That's brilliant. I'm not having, I bet, I bet Tabby claims that assist for that second goal as well. That little dog shit touch. <laughs> he, he's got the touch there, hasn't he? That was he's his first touch, mate. That was he's, his first touch. He's tried setting himself up and just absolutely played a lovely little... Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, what, leg, what leg was he setting it up with? <laughs> the middle one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go, go on, Greg. Was that... Um, obviously, like, winning that game, bit was massive. Um, and was that, was that, like, the biggest ground, like, the best ground that you played at at that time? And... and the, the achievement of winning there was that was that become one of the best in your career also like at the time? Uh, do you know what? Like I enjoyed it. It was amazing, and obviously it was virtually sold out, if not sold out, and it was beating Manuel away and all the rest of it. But it was tremendous, like at the time. But like I wouldn't rank it like I wouldn't rank it that high in terms of achievements because, like you say, like it was Dong Fangju, mate. It was like <laughs> it was. Do you know what I mean? But it was yeah. certainly brilliant to do it. Poor old, poor old Dong Fangs, you, eh? <laughs> Getting battered. Yeah. Um, and I think Tabby actually said that they was a bit funny afterwards with, like, swapping shirts and that. They was having none yeah. of it. Well, yeah, I think because they knew they were going to get battered, weren't it, from, from Sir Alex? So they were like... <laughs> the air dryers. We have a J-Tab or Ben Turner shirt on. <laughs> and the hairdryer comes out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You'd have loved to nab PK's one, wouldn't you, after what he went on to do? Bloody hell. But again, like, it's a funny game, isn't it? Because at the time, it was like, it was him, him getting his chance to play for them, one of his first games for them. And, like, we were all like, well, yeah, more juice, is he? That young fella there played at the back. But, like, <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Like, you know, different games, bit of experience, next thing you know he's a world beater so yeah yeah it's crazy isn't it it's just Everyone's... getting an opportunity as well isn't it really yeah yeah definitely yeah he's done all right the not he unbelievable yeah fucking <laughs> <laughs> hats off to him fair play <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then the, the following season you got on the score sheet for the first time do you remember it uh Derby, Derby at home. That's it, yeah, Derby. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. That, that, see, that was a good moment. I remember that because we, uh, we had a team night out that night as well. Um, So, we knew we were going out and then I think it was the winner. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, So, then we went out in Birmingham on the night and it was like, I don't know, it was just good because it felt like, it felt like that day and that night it was the first... I don't know, maybe the first time I felt like a proper first-team player. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. as if, like, I was a bit more comfortable with the whole thing, that both on and off the pitch. Um, yeah, that day and that night helped that. It was, it was, it was good. Yeah. yeah we, we had Nicky Forster on this week, and he was sort of saying that similar thing. He was saying it took him about 50 games to really feel like a proper footballer. Of course he does. They sign a pro but you're not really a pro. And then 
you play in the first team, you're not really a first team regular player. Then you play a few games and you still haven't played a few seasons. It's like, there comes a point, doesn't there, where you go, but well, now I can say that I'm actually one of the, the guys in this, one of the first team players at this club. Um, yeah. And all these little, all these little bits uh, contribute to that. Like, you know, getting, starting to play regular, getting your first goal, going out with the lads and feeling like one of them, not locking outside. Like, eventually you get there and you go, do you know what, like, I'm actually, I'm actually getting there now. The recognition from your peers, like, it really, yeah. Like that, yeah. Well, you're not just like a young lad who's walked in the dressing room. They're all looking at you, thinking, "Is he, is he going to be any use to us?" Because it, it's, it's a selfish game, and it? it's like if you walk yeah. in and you're absolutely crap, no one's going to want you in that room because you're going to affect their careers and their chances of doing well. It's a ruthless old game, so like you got to look in course swim fairly sharpish, ain't you? Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, who was you? Playing at, at the back with on sort of a regular basis there because I, I had a look at the at the the team and then you had the likes of Arian Dejou, Scott Dan, in there. Yeah. Who, who was sort of the mainstay along you alongside you, or was it, it a it, bit of a mishmash? Yeah, it changed due to like injuries and, and and different circumstances and obviously me not playing all the time at that age. So like, I played a lot of games with Elliot Ward as well. All oh, right, yeah. Um, who came from West Ham. He was about two, three years above me. Um, so I played quite a bit with him. I made quite a few appearances next to Page, Robert Page. Um, Dizayu I played a fair bit with. Yeah. And then Scott Dan. Scott Dan went. And then uh, Nathan Cameron came through and I played a bit with him. It was... Fair few, it was James, Yeah, James McPake. I had a lot of different... There was a lot of different... There was a big turnover centre-half due to, like, the old ones moving on and uh, like Scott Dan being one of the younger ones getting a good move and yeah just you just you did chop and change quite a bit yeah definitely uh, go on Greg um, just like with that obviously you said you was in and out on that but when you was getting your chance did did it help the fact that you was like left you're left sided didn't you yeah I was left sided so did it help did it help was you the only one at the club or was um yeah I was, yeah. I mean, like, once I established myself, I, I, I played, but then I had a few injuries then that sort of, yeah. like, knocked me back. Like, sort of cut, cut me short on a few of my seasons when I was a youngster. But, um, again, it's just, like, the stuff you have to deal with, isn't it? But, um, now, like, after the first... I think once I was once I was 20-odd, when I was fit, I tended to get some game time. You know what I mean? Like, so... It was... um. It was good to, as well. I think, like looking back, it was good to like play with a number of different people because you do like, like just, you're just yeah, you're a sponge. Then you just you just absor- you just absorbing information and everything like that. And uh, I, I tell you, look, as you get older, you don't realise that like people are doing that to you as well, even when you don't realise it. Like obviously now at my age, I would think that when I'm at Notts County, when I'm in and around the dressing room and we talk about football and that, and they watch what goes on. Obviously, I'm not as good a player as I was, but there'll still be like lads looking for me and take, trying to absorb information because they know that I have played a high level than they're at. Yeah, but then I remember listening. I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago from Nathan Cameron, who I think Nathan was two, two or three years below me. So I, I'd have been 21 and he was 18, and he was in the position I was in three years before, and he played the first five, ten games of the season under Aidy Boothroyd next to me. 
And then he said, on this thing I was watching you down a podcast, that how much I helped him, how much he was looking up to me and trying to like see what I was doing and and trying to replicate and try and become his own version of what I'd done by graduating from the academy and making it as a first team player. And I never knew that at the time whatsoever. I was dealing with my own. Trying to make your own way. Yeah. yeah, but I was still felt like I was trying to like, I still felt like I hadn't cracked the game. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I was 21, still trying to like establish me, but he was looking to me for, some of his answers and it's a funny game like that you don't really realise um, you don't really realise who you might be helping and you don't really realise who might be watching at any given time and it's the same like you're, you're like I, there's probably players that I've looked up to and tried to learn off that didn't even really realise that I was like watching it their every move yeah exactly uh, go on Matty yeah just touching on what you just said there I suppose <clears throat> in football sort of terms the gap of those two to three years must, must be huge, especially for him looking at you as a bit of a more established pro and having a bit of, bit more about you. You probably, like you said, helped him out a lot more than you actually realised at the time because you were trying to focus on yourself. But I just think that's probably yeah. massive, that sort of gap. Even a year gap in the pro game must feel like a massive step, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. And it, just everything about it, even physically. Like, if I ever, like, scan back through my pictures of my Coventry days, like, uh, the, eight, the season when I was 18, when I was first coming through, I looked like a, like a, a big boy, basically. Like a big boy, like... Big boy. Yeah. <laughs> a, big, a big, young boy, sort of thing. And then I look at the pictures of the season when I was 21, 22. And then I'm, like, more, uh, a bit... Do you know what I mean? Now I'm like, that's a man now, there. Yeah, yeah, it's like, pre- yeah the presence has changed. Yeah. It just, it just it's, a, it's a long time in a young man's life, isn't it? 18 to 21, 22. It's a, it's a big, it's a big step. Like, and like I say, one of all of a sudden you're like, you are, you're a man, and then like, you're there. Then people are looking at you, going, I want to try and do what he's done the last three years and establish myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent, mate. Um, and then, like you said, you had a, f- a few injury troubles, and then the following season, you had you injured your knee. Um, how, how did you do the knee injury? Was it was it in a game in training or? Now we were playing Leeds at home. Oh. I was having a good run. Um, oh. I think typical, I absolute typical. Yeah. Leeds. <laughs> I'd, uh, <laughs> I think I scored like three or four goals at the start of that season. It was all sort of like again. I felt like. I'd gone from like establishing myself at Coventry to actually like being able to really affect the games and like just do a bit more and just I felt like I was getting there. Do you know what I mean? Like being like some like one of the one of the, the not, you know just one of the most re- trying to establish myself as like one of Coventry's reliable players. I felt like I was getting there. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> it was late on against Leeds. We were chasing the game. I ran out wide and I think it was Robert Snodgrass. He, he went for a slide tackle kind of straight on and I went for a slide tackle sort of from the side. So as my leg was was out wide, he's like, all his weight's gone into to my knee and my, my medial knee ligament like oh. went to just completely ruptured. Um, but it was a really, <clears throat> it was a tricky one because, so it was a grade three medial knee ligament injury, but we didn't clock until I tried to rehab it for three and a half months. The physios didn't clock that during the rupture, the bone, the, the, the ligament had like pulled out the 
the bone out of the side of my knee. Oh, fuck. So instead of the ligament just detaching from the bone, the ligament went and pulled out like a crater of the, out of the side of my knee with it. Oh. So we thought it's a grade three, but it'll heal. But this ligament that we thought would just reattach to the bone was attached to a piece of bone. Oh, and the two okay. bone were never going to fuse properly because like I was doing the stages of rehab that's supposed to stress the ligament. But instead of stressing the ligament, I was having loads of pain, but it was because it was like bone oh, on bone. Oh. So it was like time where it was like, look, I'm supposed to be back playing now. What's going on? And I couldn't even do a side foot pass without being in like real pain. Yeah. So I went for like a bone scan, like a three bone scan. And I remember they showed me the pictures. And as they, as they like say, this is my knee here, yeah. as they turned the picture like that, there was like, once it got to that angle, there was a piece of bone completely away from yeah, just floating there as the picture turned around. It was only on that angle you could see. It was oh, like that spot there. So then what they did was they pinned the they pinned the ligament to the bone and then the bone back pinned back to the other bone so it would properly fuse back together. Um and then four four months after that I was sort of getting there. But it wrote it wrote off the whole season and it had started so well. I think it was like we were like ten or fifteen games in, I'd scored three goals, starting to establish myself a little bit further. Um, and just ruined it, ruined that season really. And it was a shame because if we'd have known it was that to start with, we'd have been back for the last third. But as it was, I missed two thirds of the whole season. One because we were rehabbing it, not knowing the floating, the big crater of bone was there. And then the rep, once we fixed it, I had to start all over again. So thanks for that, Snoddy. Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, yeah. he absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Greg. On that, like obviously, I know people make mistakes in that, but how how has that gone unnoticed on on the medical side, like for so long? With obviously that you were mentioning about the pain and that, and you should have actually been back. Did it not sort of clock in their head earlier? Um, I think everyone would have hoped that it did, but I don't think anyone was like everyone was trying to do their best. But it's like you can have these problems in rehab where it's difficult to get the last bit of the rehab right where you can play again and I think they just thought it was that I think they just yeah. thought it was like the ligament taking longer to be like stronger to do its job again but as it was as it as it were and we found out it, it was never going to be it was never going to get there without the surgery because it just wasn't the two things weren't together so it was yeah. never going to work it's mad how that can happen isn't it Yes, yeah, awful, mate. Yeah. yeah, and as well, I reckon I don't reckon it would happen now as well because, like back then, it's like like I say, like as a young pro, you just you just you're so driven, you never really take a reverse step. If something like that happened now, I think I would sooner, with the experience I've got, say something's not right here. Yeah. Back then, I was just doing what I was told and thinking, "Come on, Ben, don't be a pussy." Just <laughs> like. You, I want to get know, back playing, yeah. I want to get back playing. Back step, like, I, I need to be playing. This is like my livelihood and whatever. But like now, I think I would clock with my experience of these things. Something not right here, Ben. You know, you know it really. Look, like, you got to try and tell them. Yeah, it's true. Um, and like you said, you started that season well, and you obviously like impressed because despite the injury, you had Birmingham and Cardiff that showed interest. Yeah. Obviously, you ended up going to Cardiff. 
But yeah. as a Birmingham fan, how concrete was that interest and how far did that get down the line? Uh, well, th- 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 this, is a, this is a funny one, really. Um, so, I was getting told by Coventry that um, Scott Dan had gone for four million and um, we don't want to take less for you either. And I, at the time, I was a bit like, right, okay, more than happy to stay at Coventry. Really enjoy it there. But that's not going to happen because I'm injured, for one. And for two, Scott Dan was being touted by and taken by bigger clubs than the clubs that are looking at me. So, you know, it's just two, two major reasons why that's not going to happen. But then, in the end, they agreed to take, and I think it's uh, 750000 But Birmingham wanted me to sign, but everyone at the club. But um, the owner, um, what's his name? The, uh, oh, God. Gold. Is it Gold? The, 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 the Hong, he's from Hong Kong, weren't he? The, oh, um, Carson Young. Carson Young yeah. was back where he's from trying to sort out his you know he's under all that criminal yeah they were trying to lock him up weren't they yeah and they couldn't get (laughs) couldn't get in touch with him all of the Birmingham staff in the UK to give it the go ahead to sign me basically and he was over there trying to sort all that out so we had bigger fish to fry so it was like look we're going to have to wait but it was all sort of, this is, we do want you, we're just waiting on Carson Young. But he was off there trying to like duck and dive from whatever he was ducking and dive. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I'm just going to plug this in one second. Yeah, no worries. So, yeah, while all that was going on, um, Malcolm McCoy at Cardiff rang and uh, basically said, look, we uh, we want you to come here. Um it um, basically told me everything I wanted to hear, that he thinks that he can get Cardiff to the Premier League and if he doesn't, he thinks he can make get me a move to the Premier League if Cardiff as a club failed. Um, so, okay. uh, and, uh, like, and he just sort of, he talked, he was kind of like, he just made a lot of sense. He seemed like he had like a very like up and at it approach. And he was wanted, just like, off himself and all, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Wanted to like he wanted eleven lads run through a brick wall. He said like that he was mad keen on like um referencing players' characters as much as how good they were as uh as players. And um yeah, I just I don't know, just I fancied it to be honest. I thought, well, I don't want to mess about and lose my chance to, because um, basically at the time, Coventry had had some really good young players, but seemed to like every time someone did quite well, they'd move them on. Mm. Yeah, like Scott Dan, Danny Fox, Leon Best, myself. Um, it just seemed to like build a player to a certain level, and then just move them on for the first available chance of getting any profit. Yeah. Um, and of course, like. I was injured and I thought, this is, I'm quite lucky that this team's actually paying any attention to me because if you imagine, I hadn't played since before Christmas and this was in the, the summer window. 
Wow. Yeah. So it was a bit like, well, you know, and it, and it, it might be my, it might be my chance now to actually go and try and play for a championship club that has got ambitions of going up. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what Malky McCoy was selling to me, and like, luckily enough, it happened. So it was, you know, it was a good decision, really. hundred percent, mate. Um, well, your your first season there was a success massively. You you ended up finishing sixth position to qualify for the playoffs in your in your first year there, and uh, you had a, a nice little league cup run, mate. Ended yeah. up. Going- Going all the way to Wembley against Greg's boys, Liverpool in the final. What yeah. was well? I, I suppose even semi-final. Did you play? Was it Wembley semi-final as well? Or was that two-legged? In it? No, Wembley uh, semi-final was um, Palace, Palace away, Palace at home. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so what was that sort of feeling like knowing you you're going to Wembley for a cup final? To be honest, it was like. In one way, it was terrifying because it was like cup finals are usually like the absolute cream of the crop, aren't they? And we were we we weren't the cream of the crop. We were we were Cardiff in the championship. But on the other hand, it was like we got nothing to lose whatsoever, and we were the kind of team that like that that particular Cardiff team. We didn't really take hidings. We were very like together and very consistent. So it was like. Thought we've got nothing to lose. We could give them a bit of trouble. Worst case scenario, we'll stick together and we won't get beat 5-0 sort of thing. So, and in the end, it, it, the whole the whole thing suited us because we were the underdogs. Um, we give it everything we got. And to be fair, we nearly pulled it off. We really nearly pulled it off. Like it was, we got as far as penalties and Liverpool missed their first two. Um, Before we get there, Ben, come on, mate. You can't scoot yeah, past the moment. <laughs> the moment the moment that took it to penalties there, yeah. there's, was there's it 108 minutes I, I watched it earlier yeah and for about three minutes it was just Cardiff corner after Cardiff corner after Cardiff yeah. corner yeah yeah the one before it's come in whipped in bit of a, a scramble and Dirk Cout clears it off the line yeah it's back out for a corner and then What's going through your head when Peter Whittingham whips in another fantastic ball and there's just mayhem caused with Pepe Reina and Dirk Cow and you're there throwing Dirk Cow on the deck and stabbing <laughs> it foul. It was leg. a foul. <laughs> what is that like, mate? You scored at Wembley in the cup final. That weren't a foul, mate. You weren't strong enough, was it? That was brilliant, honestly. It was, it was one of them. It was just like in the zone. Just felt, I don't know. Just felt like I could have played all, all day that day. Just, I don't know. Just felt like it's weird, really, because like I'm gutted we didn't win. The more, the, the longer time goes on, I just think like, what like in, yeah, yeah. Like so many, so many Cardiff fans, like still message me and all the rest of it whenever it's the anniversary of the game or just saying like. They loved that moment. It's like an iconic moment to that club. And clearly, like I'm forever grateful that I was able to, more by chance than anything, that I was able to like give them that moment and be part of that moment. Like because, because it was some bloody good moment. Do you know what I mean? Like 
<laughs> everyone grows up wanting to score a cup final goal and then like the way that you've done it as well like obviously making it in extra time to go to yeah. penalties it's unbelievable that wasn't like the, that, the crowd went mental and like people have got all their stories about they foul five rows ten rows and all this kind of stuff and it's great and like obviously the celebration probably added to that not that it needed adding to but the celebration probably added to that but like it's one of them like out of body experiences I don't remember even I don't I didn't consciously ever think Ben take top off <laughs> <laughs> Just I like, always think that that's all I ever think that's get the top off yeah, but he scored and you don't, so, you know what I mean? It just happened, and then, like, before I knew it, I was getting booked, and I was a bit like, you know, I don't even remember taking it off, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange. That's brilliant. Uh, go on, Greg. Um, just, just, like, the moment, the game, the opposition, obviously, like, it's a massive, massive achievement for you lot as well. Um, even just to be there at extra time and that. Um, what was it like uh, playing against that stature of like players and and team and to to be there at that point, like to actually get, I know obviously it ended up on the sour note with penalties, but penalties is a, is a lottery. But just to be there in that moment against them, against the stature and the players that you played against that day as well, like the effort that you must have put in as a team would like all, all togetherness, as you said, like run for a brick wall for each other. Did that get you to that point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that day was like, at the end, once they'd won, it was like watching them celebrate the cup, seeing like the sea of Liverpool fans that you've seen in cup finals growing up and all the rest of it, the trebles and all like, and it's like all that bit was normal. And then it was like the other end of the stadium, it was like Cardiff City's blue. And then I'm playing for Cardiff. And that bit was a bit like it was it was it was a bit weird. It was like, right, okay, this is happening. I'm that's normal. <laughs> that's not that normal. And what am I doing here? It was bit, you know what I mean? But like it, that at the end of the day, that's only natural, isn't it? Because Every football player who's in that situation, you are just you are just a man. Like yeah. at the end of the day, next thing you know, you're there doing that. And it was like it really was surreal. And one of the other things that was surreal about it was by chance, like I say, I was Birmingham followed Birmingham until I became a footballer. I don't follow any team so much anymore, but like so the season before, literally one year before, I was sat in the Birmingham end with my brother and my cousin, I'd hobbled into the ground because of my knee injury that I couldn't get right. And I was a Coventry City player, an injured Coventry City player who couldn't get his medial knee ligament right. And I remember watching it and obviously Scotty Dan was my mate and whatnot and Scotty Dan was injured and couldn't play in the final but Scotty Dan was there and he was involved in the celebrations, lifting the cup to the Birmingham end. And I was in the Birmingham end and I remember like looking at Scott and thinking like, buzzing for him from the stands but also thinking I'd love just one day for me to be able to like play in a cup final and Scott hadn't played that day but he'd gone and moved and like he became you know he'd played in games that got him to the final and I remember just yeah. thinking I'd love just one day to be able to to do to play in a cup final like that would be unbelievable and then obviously hobbled out the hobbled out the stadium went out a few beers with my family to celebrate the, 
Birmingham had won the cup. And literally 12 months later, I'm a Cardiff player and I'm in the cup final and I've scored. And I just remember look, I looking at the section where I'd sat the year before as a Birmingham fan. And again, it was just, again, it was just a bit like this, is weird. Wow. And it was, and then it kind of kicked in after that, that kind of like, do you know what? I'm gutted we've lost because we've, no one could have really denied us winning it either. It wouldn't have been like, no. it wouldn't have been daylight robbery. It was like, no. yeah, they had more chances and yeah, we had to play the way we played. But we've gone and scored two goals against Liverpool at Wembley. Um, there's a bit of fortune in their second goal in, in the way that the ball came across and Dirk Hyde got it in. It was a bit like, oh, bloody hell, no one really did anything wrong for that goal. So it was kind of like that goal was a bit hard to take. And then Liverpool missed their first two pens. Yeah. It's like we run the cusp of actually winning the cup. And like, like nice I say, no, and like I think I think like because uh, because of the whole underdog story, that final still means a lot to Cardiff fans, and the goal still means a lot to Cardiff fans. But like I sometimes think, Jesus, imagine we'd have won it. What what kind <laughs> of like what it would mean to the club? Yeah. Um, and what that would mean for me personally. But, you know, you can't get too greedy, can you? At least I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, go on, mate. No, well, I think you sort of touched on it anyway. I was just going to say, like, that moment when the ball's dropped at your feet in the box there, and you can... It's literally... You, you're about to tap it in. Is, is it like one of the moments where your heart... Like, it all just goes quiet and your heart just stops. You're thinking, fuck here now. And then just... And then what was that raw life as well? Because it must... Like, yeah, I just... I mean, you say you did sort of touch on it, but that just must have been amazing, to be honest. I mean, I'd love that. That's a bit of me, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, to in. Fair, like, it was surreal. And, like, it, again, it, it was like, I don't remember much about the celebration sort of thing. I remember when the ball came in and it missed the front post and I was attacking the back post with Dirk Kite. I remember as the ball was coming, thinking, like, right, he can get off me now because this is going, like, I'm putting this in. I'd rather... <laughs> put it in the back of the net and like you blow for a foul and then moan that it's a foul then think yeah. I didn't attack it well enough so I remember thinking right you get out of the way like going in and then you know what I mean if the ref blows up he blows up but I'm not I'm not going to it was like one of them where I wasn't going to regret not going for it hard enough um, and then it went in and like like you say it was just like I don't know it's just like emotion just looking at how mad they were going and like I'm going just as mad in my head and my shirt like my shirt's swinging and that and just <laughs> I don't know I know it's not me either do you know what it's not even me that <laughs> really I'm not really like I'm quite I don't celebrate like I don't like I will score on a Saturday if I'm playing and I won't run over the halfway line to celebrate with them because I'm just like well you know we'll celebrate if we win the league we'll celebrate if we get promoted and all that like and I've always been a bit more like reserved with things like that. It's a bit like, well, we're just, you know, we're doing our job. But that day it was just like, no, nah, this is, we're going full Amory. We're not, we're not holding back. <laughs> if you can't celebrate them, when can you, eh? Exactly. Yeah. I just used all my celebrations at once, really. There. <laughs> um, go, go on, mate. Yeah. Just a quick one. I'm looking at some of the players that you played with at Cardiff. I mean, there's some real big names here Bellamy, um, Robert Earnshaw, Gary Medell, Zaha. But the player I wanted to ask you about, because he plays in, a, plays in the same position as you, is Stephen Corker. Did you play with yeah. him at Cardiff? Were you paired with him at the back? Yeah. So, uh, when we got promoted, um, generally the centre-back pair was me and Mark Hudson. Um, 
and then which was great loved that and then when we got promoted to the Premier League we saw we signed Stephen Corker um, on a permanent he'd added he'd add England caps um, and it was a case of like really one of us was one of me or Mark was going to play with Corker yeah. um, and I was I thought it'd be Hoods because Hoods was captain Hoods, Hoods was club captain he'd had terrific he'd had a terrific two seasons ever since I'd been there he'd been just absolutely really brilliant like I, I thought like Hoods was one of them he was a slow man like an actual slow man he kind of like he was he couldn't run he couldn't sprint much at all you could never really notice he was sprinting because he never really got that fast but like it summed, like, it summed up how good he was that he never really made any difference to us getting clean sheets or him getting caught out and that it was just like the guy could do the job like he was good proper good reading of the game reading of the game bravery leadership like just a really good centre half honestly yeah like very good um Capacity as well, but like he was a rock, mate. He was, he was a rock. That's exactly it. A reliable rock. Set you, set your watch by what you were going to get from him. You just knew what you were going to get. I thought they'd pair him with Corker because I just thought, like, don't get me wrong. When we went up, Hoods had a really good season, and I had a really good season. We were major parts of the promotion. We must have been. We played at the back there the whole entire way through. Yeah. Um, so we both had every right to be like I should play I should play but at the same time we are proper good mates as well and it was kind of like we kind of knew as soon as Corker walked in one of us ain't playing are we like and it's like one of us is going to have to back the other one up and get on with it and as it turned out he went with me with Corker whether that's the left foot right foot balance whether that was because Hoods was what's Hoods six years older than me so he was Going into his 30s, I was coming into my prime, whether that played a part in it. Um, but yeah, he went for that. And now I, I played with Corker through that season predominantly. Um, but Hoods was brilliant with me, like just proper club captain, proper friend about it. Um, yeah. And it was one of them. But um didn't know at the time how bad Corker's problems were. Yeah, that's what basically what my question was leading on to because the way I viewed him, that he was good in the air, he was good on the floor, and his career just sort of, I mean, after Cardiff, I think he signed for Queen's Park Rangers and played over 50 games there, but I just saw his career go into the next level, and then he had some really random moves. He went on loan to Liverpool, he played yeah. for Dundee in Scotland, and then he ended up in Turkey or somewhere like that, but... Did yeah. you know at the time? So you didn't know at the time he was blighted by drink and uh, gambling problems. No, I knew from like when we had team yeah. nights Christmas do that he had a what? How would I describe it? He's a bit of a mad, bit of a mad drunk. Yeah, a bit like whoa, like this is a different guy. Yeah, um, but you get you get five of them season on a Christmas do. Oh yeah. Do you know Sure. And they're not all alcoholics, are they? It's probably um, the one time you get out, obviously yeah. apart from summer, to really sort of let your hair down and go. I, I, thought, I thought it was that. Um, just thought he was one of them, just a uh, a cannon when he's out. You know, like one of them. You, you know, you get yeah, the rest of it. He, he wouldn't have been the first. He wouldn't be the last. Um, but 
it, it wasn't just that. He obviously had his issues. And I, di- I didn't know anything about his gambling. I didn't know anything about his drinking, really. I just I just thought, like, he overdid it at times, but I didn't... Yeah. yeah. And I've, read, I've read stuff on it since, um, from his interviews and stuff, because he's, like, he's tried to, like, help other people and all the rest of it, yeah. in fair play. Um, and I think, like, he was an alcoholic. But I've read, I'm sure I've read that he said that he did... He did, he did it doesn't drink. It wasn't that he drank every day. Yeah. And I don't... Yeah, don't like, once he started, he couldn't start, wasn't it? I think it was that, like big benders and all that. And all that. Drinker. Yeah. And I, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it, because like, I, like, I love a beer, but I like, you know what I mean? I ain't got a problem, so I don't understand. I, I don't really... No. Never had that thing where, like, <clears throat> whatever he's got. Yeah. But uh, I recently started following him on Instagram. Um, I didn't know he had it, and then I saw him, and I've I've had a look on there, like, and when he posts and that, and he tries to help other people now. I think he's in Turkey playing over there. He looks in brilliant shape. He looks happy. Um, he's sober. Um, I think he's you know do, do, doing doing the best he can for it with his football and his yeah self and good, trying good. to help others while he's doing it. Yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was a nice guy, do you know what I mean? He was a, he was a good he was a good guy to play with. I liked him. A lot, lot of talent. Like you say, he, prob- he probably should have he probably should have and would have gone better for him in the UK if it wasn't for, for his problems and that. But um It probably would have benefited him going abroad earlier because there's more of a drinking culture here as well, isn't there? So Yeah, yeah, there there is that. And then like he had a he, he, he he had a, a young a young son when he signed for us um, from a, a woman who he was never with, um, and I think like getting chance to see his son and stuff like that used to used to stress create stress on him and stuff like that. And like, well, you don't like if you imagine now, like people would watch Corker play football for Cardiff that season, and they see the footballer. Yeah, I'm in a dressing room with him every day. And I saw the footballer and the person on the Christmas do the person on any team functions that happened and all the rest of it. And I'm standing next to him on a football pitch all season, seeing him in the changing room every day. And I didn't know what was going on yeah. in his life. So what you what people see on the pitch, nothing. I'm playing with him and I didn't clock quite how bad it was for him mentally. Um so what chance of like everyone else who's not yeah. Not in the dressing room with him, got of knowing what what the situation is with him at the time. And um, I think there's in this in this day and age as well, there seems to be a lot more facility for people to open up. I think in just in general life, especially with obviously the mental health issue, which would be linked could possibly be linked to drinking or gambling. It just I think football is known as that sort of man's game. Like if you got a problem, leave it at the door, sort of thing. And maybe you just didn't feel comfortable at the time. Trying to get some, trying to get some help, but I mean, if you think if that was now, imagine I think there's a lot more avenues for you to go down, and maybe his career would have took slightly a different path if there was that help there at the time. Yeah, definitely. I do think though that like even in the last five years, it's changed. So yeah, I think you're yeah, right. I think, yeah. I think it has massively changed. But I also do think that no matter what anyone says, if you come out as a footballer. And you're earning big money, which he like he will be, especially compared to Joe Public when he was at our club and he was he was made captain because Hoods wasn't playing. Yeah. Uh, 
and you said, uh, right, hold on, yeah, I know Cardiff's trying to fight relegation, but I'm, I'm an alcoholic and a gambling addict. I still think even today that um, it's not going to go down well in all quarters. Is it? It's not. It's not something that's going to be acceptable to everyone. Not every fan who's paying their money to get into that stadium as a Cardiff fan, and I think that's still going to be a massive, right, rightly or wrongly, that's still going to be a massive factor um, in, in in the football game because it's just how football is. It's wired up slightly differently. It's like it's just a mad game. It's like I've myself I've turned up to things and like I say like I've never had like the problems that someone like Stephen Cork has had but like even things like I've turned up to play football um, when I probably shouldn't have yeah. really personal things like so, like just as an example like we, my, my nan like my mum's mum she she was suffer- like she got dementia and she was dying in her home and uh, basically there was nothing else wrong with her other than the dementia had got that bad that she didn't eat or drink anymore at all so it was kind of like just an old lady on painkillers waiting to starve to death really in her bed like just wasting away and like she was tough as old boots it took ages so I remember like wanting to be there for my mum when my nan passed and being at like being at my nan's home till like stupid o'clock in the morning all week for her to finally go the day before match day and then making my debut for Mansfield the very next day, like that it actually eventually happened, and thinking like, not I've not the right frame of mind. Yeah. One, like I, yeah, one I loved it to bits myself. So really, I'm emotionally gone. Two, I've probably done like a night's worth of sleeping this whole entire week. Yeah, and then I'm turning up trying to make my debut as a professional athlete for a football club, and it's like. In hindsight, it's like you probably should hold your hands up and say, oh, "I can't." But yeah. then, like, there's no, there's no two ways about it. I've got that thing myself where if you can go onto that pitch and play, I've got that in my head. It's a man's game. You go out and you, you go out and you do it. You don't make excuses. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. Like, maybe if I was brought up, and if more players were brought up from a very young age to to not be like that. Maybe it would change a little bit, but I'm saying all this about like the Stephen Cork situation, and then like I know fair well myself that like I live by that other code myself. Yeah. So it's yeah. hard for me. Do you know what I mean? It's hard for then, me today. Because I think, I think also the thing that doesn't help footballers is that the average fan doesn't see a fo- professional footballer as human. They're not allowed no. to have emotions. They're not allowed no. to. They just got to go out there and give it for ninety minutes, and you stop thinking about that guy until he steps over the white line again. And I think, like you said, a lot more is being done now to kind of bridge the gaps with opening up and laying your feelings on the table. Really, back in the day, it wasn't really like that. Yeah, it's a good thing that it's gone down that route, and it really in the in the long run, and for the players especially. Yeah, um, Greg, go on, mate. Um, it was just about. Um... Was it I mean, back in the cup final? Eh? Was it back on the cup final? No, no, I mean, I won't, I won't go over that. No, I was, I was going to ask, did, did you get anyone's shirt that day? Were, were, were we a bit like United or as a club, were, were we a bit better? Well, he must have given it to his cousin because Anthony Gerrard was playing for you, wasn't well, he? This is the thing, you beat, if these big clubs beat you, they'll give you the shirt straight away. <laughs> Sorry, I'm <laughs> mate, take the fucker. 
But like, if you, <laughs> if you beat them and then ask for the shirt, it's usually a bit different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> trying to think whether I don't, I, I don't think I got. I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think I did. I think I was this too disappointed we didn't win and just didn't bother. I think I got Suarez. He's from the league game when we got locked once we were promoted. Um, again, he, did he try he, biting you at all? For <laughs> what? He was absolutely sound. <laughs> Honestly, like it's weird, and it's like yeah, you get him. He, 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 uh, and he, like he doesn't have to do it, but like that's free shirt, and he's like, oh yeah, of course, of course. Took his shirt, like step went. Thanks a lot. Went to step away. He's like tapped me. Like no, no, no. Give me yours. Like very oh, respectful. Right. Yeah, that's quality. Um, there's probably some South American kid running around with a. <laughs> 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 now nah, that's that's something in his fucking cinema room yeah. in his house. Well, he's got Messi, fucking Ronaldo, Turner. Yeah, imagine um, going through them. Ah. Uncle Uncle Louis Suarez gave it to me. Yeah, Oh fucking hell! Oh, <laughs> and then yeah, obviously off the back of that, anyway, we 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 touched on it, but you went up as champions the following season, um, and then things didn't start so well in the Premier League. Malky gets replaced by the current Manchester United manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, what was yeah. he like as a gaffer? Malky or Ollie? Ollie. Ollie. Uh, was that his first job in English football? Yeah. Ollie, yeah, and yeah. In, in English football, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you yeah, know what? You, you can say it. Do you know if you watch him on telly and you watch him as a player and you see what he's like as a character and how you perceive him like that? That's basically it. Nice guy. Um, nice Shit, guy. Then. Wanting He's to, too nice for me. He's too nice. To, nice guy. Wanting to play attacking football because he was an attacker, obviously. And he, he was like, you know, play forward, run forward. Um, let's get some goals. All the rest of it. He was never like to... He never. He didn't want to come in and try and keep us up by shutting up shop. Yeah. Um, but then... Um, maybe, maybe he could have been harsher on some players... Like you say, maybe a bit less nice would have worked with certain players who... Because basically, the team that won the championship that we had, that team was hard on each other and hard on... or Everyone was hard on themselves and driven and literally like a load of players who were taking five out of ten ability and managing to win the championship kind of thing. You know, ability levels, all right, not bad. Like, what could they get out of themselves and as a group, like an awful lot and then you change the squad going into the Premier League season and you sign a few more of your like Peter Oden Wingies and Wilfred Zahas and stuff like that who um, ability levels higher um, how much are they were they willing to fight and scrap and dig in as much as the team that won the championship not as much mm. so maybe those lads are not just singling them out as like isolated cases but just like the mentality of the group switched a little bit because it got a bit more fragmented with people who probably weren't as driven and weren't as certain lads were on loans so it didn't matter as much to them anyway certain lads were on short term deals so it didn't matter too much, too much to them anyway and certain lads just naturally they hadn't been on that journey of like 
Cardiff City getting to the Premier League. They've just jumped onto it once we got to the Premier League and it probably didn't mean as much to them, probably. Yeah. Probably um, and he probably could have been more harsh on them. But at the end of the day, like he had a really difficult job to do. He placed Malky was really, really popular with the fan base um, for obvious reasons. He brought success. Um and none of them wanted him to go. They were singing for him to not go when they got wind that he was going to go. And then, not only that, there was a dressing room of players, still certain ones, who had a lot of loyalty to Malky, like me being one of them. Um, not that I was any different with the new manager or anything. Like I was always wanting to do the best for myself and everyone else. But it was just a totally, totally different character to Malky. And it, it didn't keep us up. But then... Malky might not have kept us up either. We don't know, do we? Yeah, that's true. Go on, Kyle. No, we don't do it again. You've literally just answered. I was going to say the difference in the difference in Malky to Ollie from even just for me coming look, you know, looking in must have been like chalk and cheese because you think like Malky's some big guy, like you know, a bit of a mad jock. Uh, but yeah, a bit a bit yeah, a bit of a mad jock. And then you got Ollie when you lose, he's yeah. mad. He just he just laughs. He's like, well done, yeah, like yeah, just yeah, it's just. I just, I mean, yeah, like Malky was on it, like, like he was on it, like day in, day out, especially on a match day. He was, we were, we were the fittest, the hardest working, the hardest tackling. We were like, that was us, sort of thing. Um, and then it changed, and I wasn't like really there that long to, for that change to really kicking if it was going to kick in to be honest um, and he's dealing with all sorts like you know the, the, the backlash of the Malcolm McCoy against the owner situation and all the rest of it kick the colour change at the club all that different characters God yeah oh, yeah I remember that is that when you changed from blue to red wasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah that is an odd one that is an odd one yeah, because apparently like the red is the colour of the dragon and the dragon's lucky and all that kind of... Was yeah. it Vincent Tan, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Tan, yeah, Vincent Tan and his, his stuff, yeah. And didn't he didn't he have some mad views? Like, he thought, like, he didn't know fuck all about football and then he thought, like, keepers should be scoring goals and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when, when shit had hit the fan in the Premier League and we needed points, remember we had a meeting in the video analysis room Um a meeting with Vincent Tan um, and the players. And basically, he, he, the telly's been wheeled in and he's just basically said, listen, lads, you're not shooting enough. And we're thinking, well, quite right, yeah, because we're going to like Chelsea away and we're not having many chances to shoot, mate. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like how it is. You're waiting to get the ball, really, isn't it? <laughs> you've got to have the ball, then you've got to get it in there half, and then you've got to get it into a place where you can shoot. Then you've got to shoot. So not, it's, it's not easy in the Premier League to just oh, go and have So then he's, but he's pressed play on this video that he's made. And it was just uh, a, a montage of goals from ridiculous places and ridiculous distances. And he's basically just said, like, these guys <laughs> decided to have a shot this is how you score goals. You have a shot. So like, <laughs> unbelievable. So then like, for a few weeks, it's like, <clears throat> right, we're going to have to start shooting like, because like, the management <laughs> don't want to be like, ignoring the owner. So it's like, right, 
let fly, lads, if you're anywhere near. <laughs> if well, you get the ball in your half turn, Ben, just have a go. Yeah. <laughs> but keep, it's like, keep, keep a rolls the ball out, you turn and voila. <laughs> but you can have a go on the lottery, can't you, on a Saturday night? But you, you know what I mean? None of us have won yet, have we? You know, <laughs> you know what you should have done? You should have done that. You should have got it off the keeper, had a go, and then looked up at him and go, there you go. That's what yeah. Vincent. No, I just, I just, this is what I mean, though. Like, <laughs> you're asking me about Solskjaer's manager, and this is going on. So it's a bit like it's hard for a minute, yeah. It's hard for everyone. It's like, what's, what, what are we, what are we doing here? That's unbelievable. Um, go, go on, Matty. Yeah, just quickly, I would say the jump from the Prem to the Championship must be like it might like like you say when you go to places like you know Chelsea, Arsenal, Old Trafford. Like mentally must be like soul-destroying if, if you haven't got the ball. How much does that wear you down, as a def- especially as a defender, when it's just coming back at you, coming back at you all the time? Do you know what? It's, it's, it's all right until... Because you sit a bit deeper, so physically it's easier. Yeah. Uh, and it's all right until you like until they're out of sight. If it's nil-nil or one-nil them, you dig in, you hope you get a chance and whatever. Yeah. And it's all right, but like you say, like once it's... Once it's two nil, three nil, and you're you're chasing it, and then you're getting picked off a bit, yeah, like yeah. on those days. Um, obviously, well, you had a mad game that year, I think, with Liverpool. I think was it six three or something like that. Yeah, that was um. Was that was that at Cardiff? Yeah, it was at Cardiff. Yeah, I had that in an accumulator. That's why I remember, and that's no no lie. I had both teams to score and Liverpool to win. <laughs> Yeah. I, I didn't play that game. Oh, didn't you? I don't remember. No, no, no. You. That was one of the. Uh, if you did, it would have been four three. We shot. Yeah, yeah. Cardiff. Um, <laughs> we shot. So got a point as well where he, a few a few players had been signed, like through agents that the owner and that knew, and it got to the point where it was like certain players were getting were getting t- certain the manager was getting told certain players had to play and stuff like that. So um, it, it just got a bit silly at the end, but um, here's what it is. Yeah, go on, Kyle. Um, just on on that squad, Gary Medell. What was he like? Because he again, he was another little little bulldog, you know, little firecracker, yeah, bulldog, whatever. You know what I mean? He was just, and I, I, I you know, watched him for Chile and that, and he is that role he played in that little sort of like the that little sweeper. He yeah. was he was very effective with for Chile, but I mean again, just wanted to know what he was like as a person as well. Was he a bit of a nutter? A bit of a he was Bielsa's boy, wasn't he? He, he was. How was he? he was like he was sound, you know. <laughs> I couldn't really have much of a conversation with him, but like was that because he didn't understand you or he, could he yeah, talk he, English? Yeah, yeah, he wasn't like uh, you know what I mean. He, he didn't seem like he'd been like educated to speak any other language. He was like full on like South American, yeah, and like. He'd come in and he, all he'd have in his locker be like, ah, morning, Ben. Like, that, that'd be about it. Like, that's all he ever said to me. And I'd say, like, Yo, morning, guys, you're right. And that'd be that. And then he was like, he'd come in with like five or six mates. Because obviously, I think he'd relocated on a good contract. It might have been his cousins or brothers or whatever. They'd like, they'd all be in the canteen smashing the lunch into him. Brought him in for a free lunch. Yeah. Crack on, lads. He used to like, he'd have a coffee. I'm not joking, Dad, like five or six sugars in it, Gaswood. Oh, my Lord. Like, banging him in. Like, 
he was fat as butter. He was the fattest man in the league. Like, was that sugar? Like, just, just loved eating and sugar and blah, like he just, just smashed it all into himself. But like, he played, <laughs> centre, played centre mid for us. Like, he, so like, how's his, how's his engine getting on? Well, he started playing, and like, the, he got really like good plaudits because, to be fair, like our results were good to start with, and until Malky was sacked, we weren't in the relegation zone. So it was like we we were doing. Well, Ollie's at the wheel. Ollie's at the wheel again. He'd go out and like he'd do like I think he did a game where he didn't give the ball away, and he was playing for Cardiff in centre mid, so he'd done like fifty passes or something. 50 completed and it was a bit like oh this man can play can't he but then as the season went on <laughs> like I think his legs started giving out on him a bit in terms of like when he played for Chile he was sweeper but for us he was trying to play centre mid in the Prem so it was like we didn't we couldn't be playing a sweeper it weren't that kind of yeah, yeah game if you know what I mean and like I think he, he kind of ran out of like I think he blew up a bit second half of the season and then it got to the point where it was like, well, yeah, he does complete a lot of passes, but how many of them are forward? That kind of stuff started getting... Uh, but it was one of them where, like, he suffered when the team suffered. In the first half of the season, when we were all right, he was, he was, you know what I mean? He was doing his bit like he was all right, he was. Yeah. And then um, second half, when we all started to struggle and as a club, we started to struggle. He started to struggle. Did he, didn't he? did he end up at Inter Milan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was after Cardiff, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he yeah, had like a, that, yeah. he had like an if we this is the thing, he had like an if we go down, he he goes on a free sort of yeah. Deal. I don't like that. I don't like them things, man. Nah, I just well, like... Yeah, like, thing, like how much does that help how much does that help Cardiff? Yeah, like, it doesn't. And I'm not saying like he tried any less because of it. I'm not not whatsoever, because he that that the, the the man's a professional and he did he did the best he could for Cardiff. But he just but, knows. Like, just like it's them, it's them moments in it in games as well when it gets hard and we've even had, even Sunday league when you're playing and there's a player who's running rings around you and it's fucking gets to that stage where it's like fuck me this is getting difficult if you're in his yeah. position where you know you can uh, move yeah look if, yeah. if he goes and scores two or three more and we go down anyway I'll fuck off to Inter Milan yeah, yeah. I mean imagine you're not really going to kill yourself here imagine it's March He's coming in. We've slipped into the relegation zone, and his agent says, "Into Milan, I'll take you at the end of the season if you get relegated." Mm. I mean, no and they'll even let your mates eat all the spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no, no disrespect to Cardiff, but if you're getting Inter Milan waved in your face and you're already yeah. going down, I mean, he's not going to give a fuck, is he? Let's be honest. No, no, no everything's fantastic and all. <laughs> yeah, I bet they even do. They, pizza. Even if they stayed up, even if they stayed up, to be fair, if Inter Milan come calling, you go, don't you? Yeah, but absolutely. Still, it's still not the point. I don't like them little clauses. Oh, if you go down and all that. Yeah, you're asking for trouble, aren't you? Because your, yeah. mind, your, mind, your mind's off of it already, isn't it? It's just... Yeah. It's if you're thinking fun. about that, well, if you're thinking about that before you even sign for the club, then yeah, yeah for me, when shit, when, t- when times get tough, nah, nah. But yeah, like you said, it's not to say that he didn't, he weren't committed, but yeah. But he weren't. No, so I, I, I liked it. I, I, I mean, liked him. Oh, I did like him. I thought he did. I, I liked him and all, yeah. as well. I like him even more after the canteen story. That's top. I know. I wish I had a mate that could take me to a, a canteen. <laughs> Did any of his mates have your shirt from Suarez? <laughs> Nicked it off. Just bowls in with a shirt on. It was like we had to be under 10% body fat. 
at, at the club under Malkin. And then Gary Vidal walks in. He's like 15, 16. And it's like, well, do you know what I mean? You've signed him like that. It's like... <laughs> how, how, did he not, how did he not get fined for that? Well, uh, this, this is where it all gets a bit like... like in the championship, it's like, no exceptions apply. But when you go and sign Gary Medal to come and play for you on 50 grand a week and you've signed him that fat, what are you going to do? Sign him on 50 grand a week and go, oh, by the way, we don't you need like to lose a bit of weight, like yeah. Why, why are you giving me 50 grand a week to be like this then if you don't like me like this? It's like you can't... You start making exceptions then, don't you? His, his, free, pass, his free pass to your canteen ain't helped him one bit. <laughs> oh, fuck me. He's now my hero. <laughs> yeah, I love him. I think he's quality. I think this is... No, he was. Oh. He, was a boy. he was. He was a class guy and he was a real good player. Quality, man. <laughs> um, and then, well, like it didn't go great and you ended up getting getting relegated back down into the into the championship. And the next season you finished, you missed the majority of it through injury. Um, was it a reoccurrence of knee, knee trouble? Ankle. Oh, was it ankle? Yeah, so basically... Uh, we got relegated. I remember walking around the pitch. We played Chelsea last home game of the season. Um, walking around the pitch to thank the fans for the support through the season. Ollie was still the manager. I remember walking around with Ollie and he came over and he said, like, look, um, I know it's disappointing and all that, but um, we're going to, like, need people like you next season. You're going to be, like, my main centre-back. Um, I know that, like, you've done it before in that league and we, we go again. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, love a bit of this. Like, liked him as liked him as a man. Huge respect for him as a football man. What he'd done in the game and whatever. And I thought, yeah, if this is this is what's being said, brilliant. But then in pre-season, I ruptured my ankle um, ligaments, like a grade three ankle rupture. And to be honest, it was like from that point on, uh, the them next two years, it was like six ankle ops later, and Hardy managed to play. Well, you, went, going again. you went on loan back to Cov, didn't you, to sort of get back to yeah. fitness and done your ankle again there? Yeah, yeah, it was a nightmare. So, like, basically, I was waiting for my chance at Cardiff after one of my ops. Um, so, basically, I kept having this operation where what they do is you rupture your ankle ligaments, your ligament gets torn, and they try and, like, stitch the ligament back together the best they can during the operation. Uh, you wait, you rehab it, you go again. Um, but it got to a point that, well, probably because I'm a big lad and like longer levers and whatever, but it was never that operation. So I had two on the one ankle, two on the other. Oh. And it was like that. my ankles just stopped being strong enough for me at that point, whether it was the wear and tear and whatever. Um, they just, if I was ever slightly out, they just bang and they just grey free rupture again. So I had two of the ops on my one ankle, two of the ops on my other ankle. In between that, like I say, I was waiting for my chance to play for Cardiff again. I like found out that Carve needed an emergency centre back, and I'd been there before, and I still knew some people there. So I basically begged to go. I was like, they were like, no, you're next in line for a game. And I was like, look, I need to play football. Like it's getting silly. I've got to play. They were like, right, okay, as long as we can have an emergency callback thing on it. Went to Carve. Was going really well. Was that the Mowbray? Tony Mowbray, yeah, yeah. Happened again. No, my ankle just went again when I landed from a header. Um, kept happening. So there was like six months left of the uh, second season back down in the champ where, and it was the last season of my contract. Um, and basically, 
the surgeon, the club doc, and the physios at Cardiff were like, look, are you insured? Well, I, I preempted the question about the insurance. And they were like, look, if you if you wanted to stop, the, I remember the club doc who really got on with Len Noakes at Cardiff. He said, look, these insurance policies, Ben, they are designed and you're paying for the privilege of when you're in a position like you are now that you use it. So like, if you want to stop now and say you've tried, no one can really question that you've tried. The case can be put together. We can get the surgeon on side and you could take your, you could put the pieces together and take your insurance payout. You've had multiple operations and the same thing keeps happening. Um, it's been happening for like best part of two years. Um, while this was going on, I'd had the most recent op I'd had on my left ankle was a new surgery technique. And basically, instead of stitching the ligament back together, it was like, it was an internal ankle bracing technique. So basically, they drill a hole one side of the joint, drill a hole the other side of the joint, take away whatever scar tissue, whatever bit of ligament was left from all the ops that I had over the years. And they put like a, an internal fake ligament that braced the joint and meant that basically oh, it don't roll it, it won't roll that way anymore there's more like if it gets to that point now I would probably just fall over sideways if you know what I mean because it's that it's bolted in like it's like it's not going anywhere so I had one of them done on my on my one side so I said to Len like, look I'm, I think I need to retire but I was rehabbing this particular op that I just had and the guy who'd done the op down in London he was like look there is downsides to it like you do lose some of what you had like you won't be able you won't be as quick you know you you, you won't be able to perhaps react quite as fast as you could before a lot of tiny differences but they'll be there and it, the rehab's are a lot harder and it got to the point and I was like starting to like get through the rehab on this ankle and I remember I was sat down with Mrs. and I was going to have dinner and I just kind of like broke down a bit and I was a bit like, do you know what? I, I don't want to stop. I actually want to get the other one done and give this a go. Like, and she was a bit like, oh, it's a lot of money, Ben, you sure? Um, I was like, yeah, I don't feel, I'd feel like I've like gave up on my career if I don't give it a go sort of thing. But at the same time, it was like a gamble because my career ending insurance was, Basically, it works on cycles. So at the end of that cycle, then they'd make, they'd give you a renewal, but they'd be basing it on an exclusion of your ankle because obviously now they're going, it's like your dog. Like if you get pet insurance and your dog, like I've got a Labrador, he has his hip replaced and then your renewal comes through and it excludes that hip. And that's what career end insurance is a bit like. So it's like it was going to exclude my ankle. So it was like, it was kind of like I had to make it work. Otherwise... I'd miss so that. You'd, you'd have to get another career ending injury to actually then get the new payout if that was. Yeah, yeah. I'd need to like do some else, not my ankles. And that, my ankles was my only problem. I was like, yeah, look at my ankles, yeah. all right, I'm all right. So anyway, I decided to carry on. But when I was rehabbing my uh, ankle in the January, the Ken Chiru was the chief exec. So he was like Vincent Tan's man in the UK. I was in the physio room with my foot in an ice bucket and he came and told me you could find a new club at the end of the season. And I thought, flipping it, that's nice timing, that, isn't it? Like, I'm in the physio room with my foot in an ice bucket. Because um, you weren't showing <clears> enough. 
Say again. Because you weren't <laughs> shooting enough. I couldn't shoot that. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, so yeah, so I knew from that point onwards I was looking for. Um, turns out the manager didn't even know um, that the chief exec had released me until a couple of days later, and then he was like, "What? No one spoke to me." Blah blah. Uh, that was Russell Slade by this point. Yeah. So he tried to find out what was going on and was basically saying, "Look, I." I want to do what I can for you because I, I think we like we need people like you at the club and whatever. But the the chief executive above had made their decision, and it's it, to be fair, it's a, the decision's pro, it was fair enough. Like they the paid me to do a job, and I hadn't been able to do the job. I'd off for like eighteen months to two years. But um, luckily, Russell Slade put me in the squad once I was back fit for the last month of the season, and then um, started me on the last game of the season at home. So. I could have like one last game for Cardiff and also show people that I could actually physically play football again. Yeah. At least show them that I had, you know, that one game, even though it was only one, it didn't show that I could play continuous games, but it showed that I existed still and whatever. So uh, that helped. 